It's been, it's been a minute since we sang that song. I think we sang it a lot during, uh, during COVID. You know, remember 15 days to slow the spread and it turned into uh, people, people still shut down. That's crazy. Um, one, one of the things that it's my job to do as a pastor is to kind of know where the people are, our people. And I feel like I've got a pretty good pulse on this congregation. And, and same thing this morning. Uh, when it comes to certain things, certain uh, ideas, certain ideologies. And th- what brought this up is a few, week, or a few nights ago, I was, I was doing some research. <laughs> That's what I call it. I was doing some research on my phone, which means I was on TikTok. And I was, I was looking. You can, you can learn a lot on TikTok. There's some words I didn't. Anyway, it's a, another sermon illustration for another time. But there was, a, there was a video that came on that absolutely got me pumped up, like psyched. And the reason it got me excited, because it was a countdown to how many days we've got left until college football. And I love college football. Love co- college football is my favorite sport. Um, I will watch two teams that I don't even care about. I'll watch them play. Appalachian State versus West Texas Tech. I don't even know if there's a West Tech, but if that game is on, I will watch that thing. And I'll get into it, especially if it's a good game. I don't even care, I don't even care if I know the teams. I sent that video to a couple of my friends and then I started thinking about our church and, and who we cheer for. Now, here's what I'm willing to bet. I don't know who your favorite college football team is, but I will bet you that the majority of the people in this room would identify one of these teams as being your favorite. Okay, how, how many people, how many people, I've got your team on the board. I've got your team on the board. Okay, yeah, that's the majority of people. Now, I, there is no Big Ten team on here, and the reason there's not a Big Ten team on here is because you're not the Big Ten. There's more than 10 teams in your conference. You can't freaking count. There's like 14 or 15 teams, so get it right. And then Ohio State, you spell, okay, you spell Ohio, O-H-I-O. That's, okay, that's a college. You should have a much bigger word to spell. And every, anyway, so I've got everybody on here. I got the winners, I got the losers, I got the cupcake schedule, and I got the highest paid players in college football. I got them all. They're all on the board. Now, this is, this is my thing. How, how many people, and I'm gonna go ahead and say there's gonna be zero, unless there's usually that one person that wants attention, and they're like, <laughs> and don't, don't be that person. Um, there's nobody, okay, oh, I forgot to do this. How many people, it's Clemson's your favorite team? Carolina, Alabama, and then Georgia. Okay, yeah, yeah, so there's nobody, there's nobody looking at that board and you've, you've identified your team and maybe your team's not on there, maybe it is Ohio State. Um, nobody's looking at that going, man, you know what? If we could win one game this year, just one, that's all I want. It's one victory. If we could win one game, I would be so happy. Am I right? No, nobody, nobody's thinking that. Nobody thought that. Now, now back in, back in what, 1999, 2000, South Carolina did go 0-11. So there was a time where you might have wished for that. I'm just saying, I got to throw it in there because it's true. I know, 31-30, I got it. Okay, so, 
So nobody, in fact, this is the other thing I'd be willing to bet. I'd be willing to bet that nobody's looking at that board and you have identified your team and you said, you know what? All I want is six wins. If we could have a six win season and be bowl eligible and just go to the, the Bud Light Bowl. <laughs> nope, 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 gonna stay on topic. Nobody's thinking that. You know what, you, you know what if you are a true fan of, of a team on the board or any team, if you're a true fan, this is what I know about you, you've looked at the schedule for your team and you have thought, man, I see a path where we could win it all. I want, I want to win it all. That's, that's at least what you're thinking for. That's what you've, you've got a big vision when it comes to your college football team, correct? So this is my question that I'm going to kind of dive into tonight and get in everybody's business, including my own. Why is it okay for us to have a big vision in regards to our favorite college football team and not have a big vision for our own lives? See, y'all thought I was gonna say have a big vision for the church, but that's later. Because see, the church can have a big vision, but if the people in the church think small for themselves, we will never accomplish all that God has for us to accomplish. So why is it okay? Why is it, why would you entrust all of your emotional energy to 18 to 22 year old guys whose prefrontal cortexes aren't even fully developed because they can play college football, but they can't rent a car? right? Why would we depend, why would we put all of our emotional energy, but not even think for a minute, what does God want to do with your life? In fact, I'm going to ask two questions tonight. And the first question, about 90% of these, about 90% of people in this room and our friends watching online, you, you, you will, you will look at this question. You'll consider it for a second, but when you get in the parking lot, you're, you're probably gonna forget it. But for the 10% that do take this serious, I believe it'll change your life. Here's the first question. First question is this. What do I really want to see Jesus do in and through me? What do I really want to see Jesus? See, this is incredibly practical. I love to be practical. I've never been, I have never told, I've never had anybody tell me, man, you're super deep. I've never, because that usually means, man, you just confused the heck out of me and I don't know what to say, so I'm just gonna call you deep so I feel better about the fact that I'm confused. I've, I, I don't teach like that. I wanna get practical. So, so when it comes to you, what do I really want to see Jesus do in and through me? And let me pause. I wanna challenge you to think big. If we, we just sang that song, the blessing, he is with us and he's for us, if we believe that, because some people's response will be, well, Pastor P, I just want to read my Bible more. You don't need Jesus to help you do that. You just need to get your butt out of bed and read your Bible. Yep. That's, that, that, do not blame that on Jesus. It is not his fault. Well, I'd, I think I'd like to just be a better person. That is so vague. Like what, what's the miracle that you personally want to pray for? And I'm, I'm talking about for your life. And when I say miracle, I'm talking about like, that addiction can be broken in your life. Anxiety can lose its grip in your life. Depression gets kicked out the door in your life. It, I'm, you go from 
working for the company to owning the company. Why is it that we think so small when we have a God that's so big? So what is that, what's the miracle that you want to see Jesus do in and through you? Now, to the 10% that's gonna take it seriously, I'm gonna lose another 5% with this next question. I'm pruning like, like we did two weeks ago. Watch this, here's the next question. What is the next step I need to take in order to make that happen? One, one of the things that drives me crazy is Christian bumper stickers and Christian t-shirts um, because some of them just have just very bad messaging on them. And the one that I make fun of the most is the one that was very popular several years ago that said, let go and let God. That's the dumbest thing I've ever, it's one of the dumbest things I've ever heard because I've heard some dumb things. But that's one of the dumbest things I've ever heard. You know what that means? It means I don't wanna do anything. God, I want you to do it all. God, I want to be irresponsible in your name, amen. That, I, had, I offended a religious person um, a couple weeks ago because we were talking about our church and I was talking about all the great things that we're seeing Jesus do here. And he, he put his hand on my shoulder and called me brother, which I, wanted, I always wanted to go major pain on him. I ain't your, and so I, but I didn't, I just stayed calm. And he said, brother, you know that that's all God. And I looked at him and I said, no, it's not. He said, you're not, it's all God. I said, it's not all God. I said, in fact, by you saying that, you are offending all the churches that aren't growing because you're telling them that God isn't in their church. I said, you're partially correct, sir. I said, it's all God working through people who are sold out to him. That's who, it's, it's people who are willing to take their, God works through people who work, period. I'll prove it to you. First, one of the first stories in the Bible, we all, we teach our kids this story where God, one, once upon a time, looked at everybody on the earth and said, I am, I'm killing everybody. Everybody's dying. And we tell our kids this story before they go to bed and we wonder why they have night terrors. But God decided to kill everybody with a flood and he, and he told Noah, remember he told Noah. He told Noah the dimensions for the boat. He, told, he, get, he provided the lumber for the boat and the trees. He provided the strength for the boat. He, he had, Noah had a couple sons, so he had some help. You know what God didn't do? He didn't build the boat. And if Noah had let go and let God and set on his blessed assurance in the middle of a field, he would have drowned. So we gotta take a step of faith. And with that, we are finishing up with our boy Gideon. Have we seen Gideon make some progress in his journey with God or what? I mean, I mean, He's in Israel. They've been oppressed by the Midianites and the Amalekites for seven years. They have been living underground in rocks and caves. And poor Gideon is down in a wine press. And Jesus, remember, Jesus came to him in the pit, called him a mighty warrior. And then for the next two, two or three weeks, did we see Gideon kind of stumble early in his relationship with God? Did we see him stumble a little bit? Like he, two steps forward, one step back, two steps forward, one step back. We, we call that discipleship because that's the way it feels sometimes when we're walking with God, if people get real, all right? And then he finally got up the courage and he raised an army, he had 32,000 men and God took it from 32,300. And then last week, last week, remember, he went to the enemy's camp and he worshiped in the enemy's camp and he got in line with God. He is fired up and he comes back and he tells us, guys, all right, guys, guys, it's time to fight. Let's go. We ain't, we, we're not doing a prayer meeting. We're gonna fight. 
And then this is what happens. This is crazy. He said, the Bible says, he divided the 300 men into three groups and gave each man, check this out, a ram's horn and a clay jar with a torch in it. Now, I'm not a military strategist. I've never served in the armed forces, have nothing but mad respect for the men and women who have served in the armed forces. Um, I don't even play, I got a PlayStation 2 and it's because I want one. Like I know they got, like what is it, PlayStation 78 now and they just keep coming out with numbers but I bought one on Amazon. I bought a PlayStation 2 and the only games I play are sports games. I don't play any of those war games like Halo. I tried to play Halo once and a little eight-year-old boy kept shooting me. I couldn't get up on the screen. I couldn't stand up. He's like, ha ah, ha, got you, ha ah, ha, got you, ha ah. ha. So I slapped him. Uh, I didn't, I didn't, but I wanted to with all my heart. I'm just saying, the last war game I played was Contra. That's how old school I am. And if you are in this room and you know Contra, you know up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right, BA, select, start. You, that, you got 30 men, all right? So I'm looking at this verse. Some of you are like, what? Did he just speak in tongues? I don't even know what just happened. So you're looking at this verse. I, I'm, just, I'm just saying, as a guy that's about to go to, to war, there's like 40 to 50,000 soldiers out there. And I'm in, my, I'm in the equipment line. I need, a, I need a sword, I need a spear, I need an AK-47, I need something that's gonna help me out. And, and Gideon hands each man, here's your ram's horn, here's your clay jar with a torch. Have, have a nice day. And you're walking away going, we gonna die. But this is why I love the scriptures. It's when you peel them back, God is revealing so much about who he is, about what he wants for our lives. Because watch this, a ram's horn. Now, by itself, a ram's horn can do nothing. What does a ram's horn need in order? To, like, what do you need to do to a ram's horn to make it work? Blow in it. It needs wind. No wind, it's not effective. Now, when you blow in a ram's horn, I've actually been in Israel when they blew the shofar thing and it was like, it, it, there's nothing really. People are like, I got chills. I was like, I thought, that, I thought something was dying. I didn't know. But, but it's, it makes a noise when you put wind through it, okay? So you got wind. Keep this in mind, okay? And then a clay jar, and I love it because 2 Corinthians chapter four says that we are jars of clay. I just, I'm sure that's coincidence, but there's a clay jar with a torch in it, a torch. What is a torch? Well, it's a stick with fire at the end. Hold on. Hold on. They're equipped with wind and fire. Wind and fire. You, you got wind and you got fire. Wait a minute, wait a minute, hold on. In Acts 2, when the Holy Spirit fell on the church, he was identified by two main elements and those elements were wind and fire. In other words, God's telling us, when you go to battle and you are walking with me, you have my spirit in you. And my spirit in you equals a majority. Why would we fear when we have the spirit of the living God who brought Jesus back from the dead living in us? Hey, what if we, what if we truly believed that the Holy Spirit lived in us 
and that greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. If we are the people of God who stand on the word of God, walking with the spirit of God, why can't we dream big? And why can't we pray bold prayers? And why can't we ask for big things? So, so they get their equipment and then Gideon said, I love this. He said to them, keep your eyes on me. When I come to the edge of the camp, do just as I do. In other words, he was like, guys, keep, stay focused. Now, I don't know about you, but I have a hard time staying focused. I have literally, and there are people in this room that could, that, that could attest to this, but please don't, please don't say amen, because I, I don't want y'all to know each other. Um, there, I will be talking to people and forget what I'm talking about mid-sentence. I've literally looked at people in this room and said, what were we just talking about? Anybody else ever done that? Okay, yeah, yeah, okay, so that means it's all old people. We're all old, that's what it means. But I have a hard time staying focused. Um, it, like when you and all of us have lost focus. Like you're driving down the road and you get that text message and you're like, I shouldn't look, I shouldn't look, I shouldn't look, but it's from, oh, oh yeah, yeah. And you look up and you're in somebody's living room. Like literally you have driven in their living room. You're like, I'm sorry, a text message. We'll get this fixed, right? I was in my, um, I was in my gym about two or three weeks ago and I, I, learned, I, I know I talk about my gym a lot, but my life is boring. I have a very limited set of sermon illustrations, so stay with me. So I'm in my gym, and I got some dumbbells in there. And I learned um, about a year ago that if you'll just focus on your form, that you, you, can, you, can, you lift less weight, but you actually build more muscle because you're doing it correctly. So anytime I'm lifting, I've got, I've got my beats on. I'm listening to incredibly, um, it's just not Christian music. Let's just say that, Okay. <laughs> It's, it's, it's music that makes me angry. I have to listen to angry music and I focus on my form. I'm strict about my form. And so I was doing some bench press with dumbbells and I bring them down. I had 70 pounds in each hand and I bring them down and I pause and I bring them up. And when I get to the top, I squeeze because I want to be able to do that right there. I, wanna, I always want to be, at Christmas, I'll do jingle bells. It, it's, it's amazing. And that's uh, true, I really do. Um, and so I was, doing, I was doing my lifting and I was on my third rep. I was on my third rep, I was coming up and I was focused and I looked to my left and on this dumbbell right here on the very end was a spider. <laughs> now, what you need to understand is I am terrified, terrified of spiders. Every time I say that, somebody finds me in the lobby and they'll say something like this. Pastor P, one of these days I'm gonna buy a fake spider throw it on you. And I always say, and I will punch you in the freaking throat, all right? And, and I won't feel bad about it. I won't feel bad. I hope you know Jesus because you might meet him if you throw a spider on me. So, so I'm, coming, I'm coming back up with these weights and I'm like, this is okay because he, I can see him and I can put the weights down and then, and then kill him. But this spider, they're sneaky. You gotta watch him. He knew what I was thinking so he's got that little web thing, I promise you. He started descending on me with his little web and I, oof. Jesus said, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks, there's some not good stuff in my heart because what came out of my mouth, it was not, there's words not in the Bible, okay? I, but, but I lost focus. I lost focus because of something small. And Gideon's telling his men, and this is actually brilliant. He said, guys, I know you're going to be tempted to look at the size of the army. 
I know you're gonna be, and, and he knew if they looked at the size of the army, that they would be full of fear, they would be filled, of, filled with worry and doubt. Like some of us sometimes, we get filled with fear, worry, and doubt. And most of the time, isn't it because we're focused on the size of the problem? Gideon was like, no, 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 no. Don't focus on the size of the problem. Focus on me, and I'm going to lead you through this. And this is a snapshot of Jesus telling us, hey, when you get in a situation that's crazy, Jesus says, keep your eyes on me. Don't lose focus. Don't look at the size of the problem. Look at the size of God because God is greater than anything or anyone that this world is ever going to throw at us. So let's stay, I don't know about you, but I've got to work to stay focused. I've got to try to stay focused. That's why, hey, that's why I got to come to church because church helps me to stay focused. That's why I'm trying to get in my word because the word helps me to stay focused. That's why I like to pray because prayer helps me to stay focused. I gotta do whatever it takes because the world is always gonna try to get our attention and show us how big, that's where, that's where most of my stress and anxiety and even depression came from is when I was focused on the size of the world and the size of the problem and not the size of the God who sent his son to die on a cross and rose from the dead. And, I, and when I start thinking about greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world, I don't lose faith. I'm like, bring it on because I know who's with me. So he's like, guys, on me, on me. Because he, like, like, what if they would have saw one of the enemy soldiers that had tormented them for seven years? This wouldn't have been good. And so next, this, and this is crazy. As soon as I and those with me blow the ram's horns, blow your horns too all around the entire camp and shout, I love this, for the Lord and for Gideon. He was like, listen, I'm getting my name in this story. I don't even know. I mean, I have came a long way. I'm just gonna get my name in the book. That's all I care about. So make sure you throw in my name. I mean, the Lord's more important, but make sure you say Gideon's because they need to know, all right? He's just working that in. And then verse 19 says, it was just after midnight, after the changing of the guard, when Gideon and the 100 men with him reached the edge of the Midianite camp, suddenly they blew the ram's horns and broke their clay jars. Then all three groups blew their horns and broke their jars. They held the blazing torches in their left hands and the horns in the right hands, and they all shouted, a sword for the Lord and for Gideon. Now on the surface, this doesn't make a lot of sense. You got somewhere between 40 and 50,000 men camped out down here. You got 300 men with a ram's horn and a torch, and they shouted a phrase. But here's the thing about Gideon. He didn't know exactly what God was gonna do. Like, God didn't hand him the book of Judges and say, read your story and just follow the script. Gideon had no idea. Gideon just knew, if I do my part, God is faithful and God will do his part. And his part will be immeasurably more than anything I could have ever asked for or imagined. Big vision. I'm a, I'm a Clemson fan. I, was it a year or two ago? We got that big jumbotron in the end zone, $7 million, $7 million. I wasn't mad about it. it. I mean, 
I, in fact, I, I didn't meet one single Clemson fan. They said, we don't need that thing in the end zone. All it does is shows the plays close up so we can see them clear. Shows those advertisements for those companies. When nobody, nobody said a thing. That's more, by the way, that's more money than we spent on this building total. Way more. But I'm not mad about it. I was reading an article this week about Auburn football. Auburn football. Auburn. Who has officially replaced South Carolina as the basement of the, of the SEC. Am I, am I right? Here's what's funny. I had two girls come to the first timers area in the second service, and they said, we're from Auburn. I said, was I right? They said, yep. Auburn hadn't been good since Cam Newton played. Y'all remember when Cam Newton played? And then he played at Auburn, then he had to take a pay cut when he went to the NFL and played for the Carolina Panthers. Y'all remember that? So, now, now they, but I just read, I just read, they spent, they, they, they are spending $92 million investing it in their football program. You know why? They got vision. They're like, we're, we're, we're gonna make something better here. And, and they're thinking big. They didn't say, well, let's just, let's just change the colors on the uniforms. That should help. I read that the University of Texas, which by the way, which by the way, I don't know if you're a Texas fan or not, but my question is who picked that color of orange? Oh my God, it's the, have you ever changed a baby's diaper? That's what it looks like. It looks like, it's like, wow, okay, I'm just gonna put a football team with it. And, but I just read an article where they, in order to get ready to get into the SEC, they spent $750 million, almost a billion dollars on their athletic department just to get them ready to play games that will not matter in 50 years. But they had vision. Why did Gideon do this? He had vision. Gideon wasn't doing this for himself. This is what's beautiful. Gideon, Gideon probably thought he was gonna die in this fight. He was doing this so his children and his grandchildren could live in a free nation. So they wouldn't have to live under the oppression or the Amalek, of the Amalekites or, or, or the Midianites. He was, he was doing this because he believed with all his heart. God, this is what you've led me to do. I'm gonna obey you. I don't know what you're gonna do as a result but God, I'm, I'm gonna do what you call me to do and I'm gonna trust you to take care of the rest. And what happened next, I promise you, he didn't see this coming. He didn't see this coming. Watch. Each man stood at his position around the camp and watched as all the Midianites rushed around in a panic, shouting, as they ran to escape. Now, this is what you call comedy in the Bible because we read that, but I'm looking at a bunch of people down in the valley running around like Ricky Bobby. Help me Oprah Winfrey. Help me Tom Cruise. I like when his underwear was on fire. Y'all remember that? So I'm seeing, like, what's, what's intimidating about 300 people with a ram's horn and a torch shouting a phrase? Nothing. But in order for this to happen, <laughs> that means God got involved. God was working. And he was moving in ways that Gideon didn't expect. And watch this. Now, this next part, this is, this is crazy. When the 300 Israelites blew their ram's horns, the Lord caused 
the warriors in the camp to fight against each other with their swords. So all the men are up here going, we don't have swords. And God's like, you don't need one. The enemy's got swords. I know, they're no, 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 they're gonna fight each other. None of us would have believed that if we were in the army. But I love this, don't miss this, don't miss this. The Midianites are running around killing each other. Is God involved in this, yes or no? Absolutely. They bump into each other as they're panicking. Your mama, no, your mama. And then it turns into a knife fight and a sword fight. It's a southern Midian. But the, the people are going crazy. But, but notice something. God puts it in this verse. It's so clear. I want you to see this. When the 300 Israelites blew their ram's horns, the Lord caused the warriors in the camp to fight against each other. So if they don't take their step of faith, God doesn't move and this doesn't happen. What's the thing that you want God to do in you that's so big? And then what's your next step? And this is what I love. Watch this. Those who were not killed fled to places as far away as Beth Let's talk about Beth, which means house of. Let's talk about the house of Shittah, shall we? Oh, it's in the Bible. It's in the Bible. I'm gonna talk. I had somebody tell me, you can't cuss. I'm 52, bro. I can say what I, anyway, so Beth Shittah. I loved it when I, when I was reading through this because I was like, but Beth Shittah is, is literally a place. You want me to tell you where it is? For some of us, it's our minds. It's full of shatah. <laughs> that the enemy has put in your mind. You, would you, let me tell you some of the shatah that some of us believe. Let me tell you. Here, here, here it is. You're nothing. You're nobody. You will always be that. Your daddy was that way. Your grandfather was that way. That's how you, you can't break free. You will always deal with worry. You will always be depressed. You will always be anxious. You will always struggle with that sin. You will never break free. That's nothing but a bunch of shatah from the enemy trying to hold us back. I'm glad God's got some toilet paper and he can wipe the shatah out of our minds if we'll just... Let him in time. Oh, give me a minute. I could work an illustration, all right? So you got crazy stuff happening. Now, let's just think for a minute. When Gideon originally did the call to get all the men to come to fight, does anybody remember how many he had? 32,000? And remember he said, if, if anybody's scared, y'all can leave. And 20,000 left, or 22,000 left, and he's left with 10,000. Then he had to figure out who was fake and who was real. Remember that? And so you would think that he was gonna take these 300 men and win the fight, but watch what he does. This is so brilliant because when God starts moving, the people that were scared and the people that weren't real, something happened inside of them as well because, because watch this, this is insane. Then Gideon sent for the warriors of Naphtali, Asher, and Manasseh who joined in chasing the army of Midian. 
Gideon also sent messengers throughout the hill country of Ephraim saying, come down to attack the Midianites. Cut them off at the shallow crossings of the Jordan River at Beth Barah. So all the men of Ephraim did as they were told. When, when God started moving and Gideon started leading those 300 men, he said, hey, all of you that were scared, let's go. All of you who weren't sure about your relationship with God, let's go. This is an all skate. God is moving and this right here is an awakening in Israel. It's a physical battle, but it's a spiritual awakening. And that's what I believe we're starting to see happen in our church. I've watched it happen this past year. Some people in this room tonight, you have grown more in the past six months than you've ever grown in your life. And you're not the only one. God's starting to stir in people. And we're beginning, and you know what's starting to happen? Other people are watching going, I wanna get in on that right there. I can't explain it, but God is working and God is moving. I've had people tell me, man, this series has been crazy. I wanna come to your church because you're preaching the truth and you, you tell it like it is. And in this series, we've addressed some controversial stuff, but I haven't been mad. I, listen, I, I've said there are two genders, men and women, and you don't pick. God picks. Now, I'm not mad. I'm not angry. I'm not upset. But I had people after that come up to me going, man, thank you for saying that. I'm like, is it that hard to say? Like, what is happening right now? I, I've said that gender-affirming care is not gender-affirming care. It's gender mutilation. And I have said that, that parents, not the state, should decide how their children are raised. And I've told the state, keep your hands off the kids. I got fired up this week. I got, man, I got fired up. I got fired up. I was ready to punch something because they're trying to change the language. Because if you change the language, because you don't want to offend certain people, so they're trying to change uh, the word pedophile. They're trying to change the language. Instead of pedophile, and let me pause and say, um, I was molested as a kid by two different people. I don't care what you call it. It's messed up. But they're trying to say, don't say pedophile because you'll hurt somebody's feelings. Say minor attracted person. I'm like, how about keep your damn hands off our kids? Like, how about that? Do you, I mean, do, do, do you understand the words that are coming out of my mouth? I mean, I'm not changing the language. Now, that's all, I've said stuff like that and people are like, man, thank you for speaking the truth. And I'm like, we, we should all be saying that, not angry, but it's, listen, I'm not scared to stand on the truth of God's word. And the, and the people, the people that are canceling people, they're keyboard warriors who have no friends. Now, what I'm about to show you next, what I'm about to show you next you know how I've been telling y'all that I study in my, in, my, in my room and every once in a while I was like, man, I got so excited, I almost took a lap. I took a lap. I got fired up on this. I got fired up. My, that's my charismatic friends right there. My Baptist friends are like, he'll calm down, Ethel. He'll calm down. <laughs> Watch this. This is crazy. They captured Oreb and Zeb. That's the first time we've heard about these guys. Sound like a couple redneck boys, don't it? How's Orb and Zeb doing? 
how's your mom and them? Like that, it sounds like, so, and um, the two Midianite commanders, so they had, they had been leading this thing. Because of Oreb and Zeb, Israel had been oppressed for seven years. Caused the whole thing, they were leading it. So they, they killed Oreb at the rock of Oreb and Zeb at the wine press of Zeb. They weren't really original with names back then. And they continued the chase of the Midianites. And this is where, this is where I just want to pause and say that men and women are, are so different. I, they're, we're so, so different in just the way we think and the way we process. And for example, if, if you invited Shannon and I to your house for dinner, I would say, all right, we'll be there. And Shannon would say, we got to take something. And I would say, they didn't ask us to bring anything. And she would say, well, ask what we can bring. Now, if I asked the man, what can we bring? He would say, yourself. He said, yourself. Ask the wife. Can we bring anything? Well, you know, and so, and then it turns into this whole thing. But, you know, what do we, Shannon, why do we have to? We, we're taking us. No, we got to take them something. We got to take a dessert. We got to take some flowers. We got we to take something. So let's say, let's say I said, all right, I'm, I know what to get them. Let's say you've been having a tough time at work with your boss. There's a lot of second chance employees in the room tonight. This does not apply to you, hopefully, <laughs> hopefully. But let's say you've been ha- having a tough time with your boss and Shannon and I show up at your house for dinner and you open the door and I said, we brought you something. And I got a basket and you open up the basket and it's the head <laughs> of your boss. Number one, you're probably thinking, we probably need to call 911. But this is what we would all agree on. Your problem's over. <laughs> Once somebody loses their head, like you ever been watching a movie, somebody gets their head chopped off, you don't go, oh, that's gonna hurt think he'll come back. Like when, when you watch those scary movies and somebody gets shot or stabbed and they're laying over on the side and the couple starts making out, I'm like, don't do it, don't do it. He's, he's not dead, he's not dead. And he always pops back, but you cut, you cut somebody's head off? Pretty much over. Am I correct? Yeah. Stay with me because some of you are like, where in the heck is he going with this? After the Israelites brought the heads, afterwards the Israelites brought the heads of Oreb and Zeb to Gideon, who was beside the Jordan River. So can you imagine Gideon? He's, he's led this fight. People are pursuing. He's like, man, because he didn't have like GPS or like infrared trackers. He was like, I don't know how the battle's going. And he sees somebody coming toward him, and he's got something in his hands. He's like, what's that boy carrying? I don't know. And the guy gets closer, and he said, Gideon, I brought you something. And Gideon's like, oh, well, we got some mop-up duties to do, but boys, I think, I think that should just about wrap it up. He probably turned to his friends and said, I think it's pretty much finished. Once we wipe out the few remaining troops, we, we good because well, this is the head of the enemy. I started thinking about Genesis chapter three when Satan in the form of a serpent tempted Adam and Eve and deceived them and led them astray. And God 
stepped in and he spoke to Adam and he spoke to Eve, but he also spoke to Satan. And he made Satan a promise. In fact, this is the first prophecy of Jesus in the Bible. It's called the Proto-Evangelion. This is what he said in Genesis chapter 3. This is God speaking about Jesus. He said, he will strike your head. Now, once somebody gets their head struck from their body, it's pretty much over. You, I mean, you could pretty much say it's finished, it's done. The battle's over, the battle's won. It's, it's, it's just done, right? And that's God's promise. God said to Satan, he will strike your head. And then they got Jesus and they crucified him and they put him on the cross. And he didn't say a lot from the cross. But one thing he did say, probably his most famous saying, is found in John chapter 19 where he said, it is finished. Notice he didn't say, you are finished. He said, it is finished. Jesus, what it are you talking about? The head of the enemy has been removed so we can walk in victory and we have no reason to fear. And, we, and listen, it is shame. Shame is finished. Doubt is finished. Worry is finished. Guilt is finished. The price has been paid. He said, and my people can live in complete spiritual freedom. So with that in mind, what's the thing that you want Jesus to do in and through you? And what's the next step you need to take in order to get closer to making that happen? It can happen because greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. So Father, I want to thank you tonight for every single person in this room, every single person watching online right now. Jesus, I just ask that you would move in us, that you would, you would remind us, Jesus, that your heart is to bless us, that we would walk in favor, that we would walk in your gifting, that we would walk in your anointing. God, that we would not shrink back, but we would stand up. God, we would not be ashamed of your truth. We would not be ashamed of your word that we would know that greater is the one who is in us than he that is in the world. And we would walk in your victory, God, with arms stretched out, acknowledging you are king and Lord and sovereign and Jesus and risen and alive. Jesus, we thank you for your presence in this place tonight. The heads bowed and eyes closed. Do me a favor. I just want to be the church tonight. Put your hand on the shoulder of the person to your right. If you got to move to do it, move to do it. It's just a few seats. Hand on the shoulder of the person on your right and on your left. And here's what I want you to do right now, right now. I want you to pray for that person on your right. You don't even, you don't even have to know who they are, but I want you to pray for them right now. I want you to pray that God would have his way in their life and that he would put a vision in them that is greater than anything they could imagine. You can pray it silently, you can pray it out loud. I don't care, just, just pray for that person. 
And now do the same for the person on your left. Pray that God would give them a vision for their, for their life greater than anything that they could ever imagine. And pray for them to have the courage to take that next step. With heads still bowed and eyes still closed, maybe you're here tonight and you've been prayed for, but you've never prayed to receive Christ. You've never accepted Jesus into your heart. You've never, Jesus paid for your sins on the cross, but you never received that payment. And tonight you wanna know that Jesus lives in you. You wanna know that your sins are paid for. You wanna know that one day when you step into eternity, you're gonna be in heaven with him. And if that's you and you wanna pray and receive Christ tonight, I'm gonna lead you in a prayer. And by saying this, the prayer is the way that we receive Christ is it's us saying, Jesus, I need you as my savior. And I'm gonna ask you to say this prayer out loud in just a second, but not alone because our whole Second Chance family, we're gonna pray this prayer with you so you'll know you're stepping into a relationship with Jesus encouraged by so many people. So if you need to pray to receive Christ, you pray this out loud right now with me in Second Chance family, let's pray it with them. Just say, Jesus Christ, I know that I'm a sinner and I need you as my savior. I believe you died on the cross and rose from the grave to pay for my sins. And right now, Jesus, I confess you as Lord. Come into my life and take over. In Jesus' name I pray. Now with heads still bowed and eyes still closed, if you just prayed that prayer and you just asked Christ to come into your life, I wanna pray with you and I wanna pray for you. So let me know who you are right now just by putting your hand up in the air and leaving it up. Just leave it up, put it up, leave it up, put it up, leave it up. Put it up, leave it, thank you. Put it up, leave it up, put it up, leave it up. Amen. Father, I wanna thank you for these hands that are in the air tonight. I wanna thank you that all day long you have saved people. I wanna thank you that all day long you have been making people brand new. And I pray that those who received you tonight would walk out knowing their sins have been paid for, their soul has been power washed and they've been made brand new. I wanna pray for us tonight. God, as we walk out of these doors, we would, we would dream big knowing God that if you put something inside of us, it's for your glory, it's for our good, and both are possible. So Jesus, may we, may we know, may we know, may we know that greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. And may we live that way in Jesus' name. And everybody that agreed said, amen and amen. Are you glad you came to church today? What a day! Love you guys. I'll see y'all next Sunday.